I pray you'll not waste this holiday season uh, realizing what this is all about. And I know we get busy, and I know we have family things to do and shopping to do, but I pray you don't miss what it was all about, that babe in that manger. It was you, and it was me. That's why he was there, and never miss that this morning, that you and I were the very reason the sinless Son of God put on flesh to come and be born uh, of a virgin in a manger so that we could be saved. So it's good to see you this morning. Let's take out our Bibles and turn to the New Testament together, if we could, to the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when you find it, let's go ahead and stand together. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Did I see BT and Courtney here this morning back there? Good to see you guys here this morning. Uh, welcome their new little one. And uh, their new little one is one of many little ones that Lord's blessed us with here recently. We've got more to come. Amen. Got a lot of little ones uh, the Lord's blessed our church with. And what a blessing that is. And you pray for them. Good to see you guys here this morning. Glad to have that little one with us today. First Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read a little more than usual. Okay. Uh, but I need you to read all of it along with me. Just follow along quietly as I read out loud, and let's make sure we get the message of what God would have us to have today. I'm going to preach a little different type message, a little different, uh, a little different style, I guess we might say. This might be more of a Wednesday night message, but this is what the Lord's led us to today, and I pray you'll open your heart to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ to the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, <clears throat> to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God, which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you're enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> now watch verse 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye perfectly be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, by my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul. And I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I have baptized in my own name. There's a lot to unravel there. Let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, and I thank you for how it has spoken to me. And I thank you, Father, for how it admonishes me. And I'm thankful, Lord, for how it guides and directs. Thank you that it's profitable for all things, most importantly for doctrine. And, Father, that's what we need today. We need to hear from you and we need to hear your word and allow your word, Lord, to guide us, direct us. And, Lord, even, Lord, in our hearts, help us make decisions as we live this life and seek to live a life more pleasing to you. I pray that you'd help us today, give us great wisdom. I pray that, Father, you would give us a leadership of your spirit today, 
Uh, Lord, to be able to say exactly what you'd help us have to say to help us all. Father, we might be about your will in a better way as a church as we seek to serve you. Bless, I pray, the invitation time that your will be accomplished through it, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we read through the letters that Paul has written to the churches, um, it's impossible not to see the rich doctrine that is there. There's a lot of doctrine. Uh, There's correction that is there. There's admonition that is there. And I'm thankful that as I read through these epistles, uh, every time the Holy Spirit makes it fresh and new, encouraging my heart, guiding and directing in the will and the Word of God a little bit further down the road of His will than maybe it was a little before. But as we read this in 1 Corinthians today, there's something that I think we need to remind ourselves of. And that even though we receive doctrine and admonition and correction, leadership out of this individually, that what we are reading is directed into a church. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Sometimes, I don't know if you're this way, but it's easy for me to imagine the early church much different than the church today. Uh, It's easy for me to imagine a church far removed from the trials and tribulations of modern-day America 2023. They did not have to deal with the digital world. They did not have necessarily uh, the politics that we have up in Washington. But could I beg you to pay close attention this morning that even though they were removed from the common era that we're living in right now, they still had to deal with one of the greatest problems that you and I have to deal with every day, and that's the fact that they were humans. They were humans. They may be far removed from technology and far removed from the COVID pandemic. They, I don't know that they had that back then, but they were not far removed from humanity. They were humans, and I don't know that you realize this, but whether it's 200 years ago or 2,000 years ago, humans act like humans, and flesh acts like flesh, and the temptations that we face today, I promise you, were temptations this church faced back then, and aren't you thankful for the love of our Heavenly Father, who loved us enough to record Issues that churches would go through and difficulties that churches would go through for our admonition. Now here's the Apostle Paul, four years before he's written this letter. He spent about 18 months at Corinth serving with them, establishing them, giving them direction and care for the will of God for their life as their church began to take those baby steps toward what God would have them to be. He cared about them deeply. He loved them as a family. And as Paul is now removed, he's at Ephesus and he's removed from the church at Corinth, he begins to get word that his church is going through growing pains, just like any church will always go through growing pains. The question is deciding of whether you're not you're going to focus on the growing or you're going to focus on the pain. You have to figure out which one is going to be the priority. And Paul wants to move in and through the leadership of the Holy Spirit begins to give them wonderful, wonderful truths straight from God of how to deal with what they are going through. Now what are they facing this morning? I want you to look down, if you will, to verse number 10. The Bible says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you. This young church at Corinth was facing a very familiar foe, not just to churches, but to nations, to families, to relationships, 
What this church was facing, verse 10 spells it out very clearly, was the age-old foe that will tear at the very fabric of any institution, and they were facing the foe of division. It's something that we are very familiar with here in America 2023. Uh, I have a book on my desk, haven't read through it all the way yet, by Ken Ham about the divided nation that we are living in right now, and we are divided so severely. Uh, We're not just divided down the middle, we are fractured uh, down racial lines, social lines, economic lines, political lines, and the devil is having a heyday in the United States of America through this old foe of division. Now, folks, can I tell you something? It is one of the most devastating attacks that the devil could ever render upon a people, whether it be a nation, a church, or your family. I see it happening right and left of how Satan is attacking the family through division, trying to destroy the family through division. By the way, what is the church? It's nothing less than a family. Satan would love to destroy this family. Talked to a pastor this week, matter of fact, several pastors, and it's amazing. It's just amazing at how the devil is attacking in ways and in in, in an intensity that has not been seen in a long time through this matter of division. And I promise you, your home will not be spared. The attack will come. This church will not be spared. The attack will come. Your relationship with your children will not be spared. The attack will come. You've got to be prepared on how God would have you to handle this matter of division. What is division? Let me give you my definition if you don't mind this morning. Division is an ingenious battle tactic where Satan does through us what he cannot do to us. I want you to let that sink in just for a moment. Division is where Satan does through us what he cannot do to us. The Bible says that this is the church of the living God. I'm thankful it's not my church, it's his church. I'm thankful this morning he says that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Aren't you glad? He says, I will build it. He'll build it in 2020. He'll build it in 2023. He will build it in 2030. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that. That means he can't touch us, but through division, Satan can do through us what he cannot do to us. Division is a strategy that Satan uses of self-destruction, self-destruction. This is why Jesus said, Luke eleven seventeen, 17, he says, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. Did you hear that one word? A kingdom divided against itself. That means that division has happened internally. The Bible says it is brought to desolation and a house divided against itself. What does the Bible say? It falleth. It cannot stand. That is the great danger and the great disaster of Satan's tactic of division. I want you to go back in your mind this morning, if you would, to when Satan was still a resident of heaven. What did Satan do when he was up there in heaven? He decided that he was going to go against God himself. The Bible says that suddenly he divided even the very angels of heaven, a third of them. Now can I tell you this morning, you may be smart and you may be spiritual and you may be faithful to church, but I'll tell you, if the angels could get it and it happened to them, you and I can happen to us as well.
to take a third of them. I mean, the angels were in the very presence of God. They were there. They heard the singing. They saw his glory. And yet even the angels fell prey to division. Can I tell you? My Bible tells me I'm made lower than the angels. And that means division is something that's very capable in my life, my home, our church, and our country. If there's anything that can help us this morning, it's the Word of God. Now here's the Holy Spirit of God leading Paul to write verbatim, word for word, of what they're going through and what they need to do to combat this. Now folks, I, I hate to tell you this today, but it's sad. I, I don't believe the church today is prepared for this battle of division as we should be. We're not. Can I tell you, I'm not prepared today for this matter of division like I need to be either. You know, I have a happy home and I love my dear wife. And uh, we don't always agree. Sometimes uh, she wants to hang ornaments in certain places on the tree where I want to hang a, a better one. But usually, you know, usually uh, she's right on that. You know, I have a happy home. We've almost married 20 years. But I still underestimate the power of Satan. And my home is not exempt either. The day you begin to take for granted, thinking that we are beyond the reach of Satan's tool of division, is the day we probably become a high-priority target for that. Young people, listen to me this morning. I know you love your parents, but you'd be amazed at the plans the devil has to divide a wedge between you and your parents. If you only knew. Mom and Dad, I know you're thinking, boy, these are good kids and I love my kid. If you only had a clue at what Satan had planned for your kids and the wedge of division he's going to try to bring between you and your kids, I promise you this morning we'd be more serious about understanding how to defeat division. Now, how do we do it? Well, I hate to tell you this morning, I don't have any good ideas left, okay? I ran out sometime during COVID. But the Word of God has an answer for us today, and I want to look at this thought if we could. This is not necessarily a Sunday morning message, but it's the message the Lord led to preach on this Sunday morning. That we need to learn how to defeat division. We must. As I read about the church at Corinth, something jumped out to me that the church at Corinth was a hub city for Grecian commerce. I couldn't help but think about our city that is also called the hub city. And the importance of what I believe the hub city is to this state and how important it is for this state to have this church. But this church has got to understand how to defeat division according to the word of God or this hub city will fall prey just like this hub city at the church at Corinth. This morning we're going to look at three simple things, maybe four, on how to defeat division. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. I'm going to ask you just to open your heart to what God would desire to do during the message today. And let's learn from another church how we can defeat division. Look down, if you will. The Apostle Paul begins showing us how division works. Now, watch what he says in verse 11. He says in verse number 10, it's been declared there's divisions among you. Verse 11, for it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Verse 12. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I am of Christ. Now here's what Paul is doing. Paul is pointing out that the divisions have stemmed from something very common. The divisions have stemmed from differences. Oftentimes, differences are the seeds and the roots by which division takes root. And yet, watch what Paul is saying. 
He says, some of you were saying, I'm of Paul. Some of you, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. Now, here are these people, different folks had aligned with different leaderships in the church. Maybe folks had won them to Christ. Maybe people that have baptized them. He would go on and talk about that in verse 13 and verse 14. Maybe folks who have been discipled by them. And Paul is pointing out that the divisions they're going through and the contentions they're going through began with the first thing I want you to see this morning, and that's the differences in division. Pay close attention, if you will. The differences in division. Now watch what has happened. You have different people and different groups. Look, we have different people, different groups here today. I mean, different backgrounds, different gifts. We have different opportunities. And yet what has happened in the church at Corinth is the things that they had different about them had grown to the place to, be, to cause division. Now pay attention with me, all right? One of the greatest reasons I believe this morning we fall prey to division is we don't know what the Bible says about how to handle differences. Now folks, if we don't know what the Bible says about how to handle differences, our differences will grow and our differences will become divisions between us. We are living in 2023 and there's something we all know very well, it's called the cancel culture. We are living in a cancel culture where if I have something different with me than you and you think differently than I do, then we cancel each other out. Now, that's a shame for the world to do that. It's a greater shame for the church to do that. To where we get to the place where, yes, we're going to have differences and yet the differences do not have to lead to a division. They're simply not worth it. Now, hear me out. When I was, uh, right after I got married, my wife cooked dinner and sat down at the table and she put a bowl of something in front of me. I says, what is that? She says, that's potato soup. And I said, ah, learn this, guys. I says, oh, really? Do you know why I wasn't sure what it was? I wasn't sure because my mom makes potato soup and my wife's potato soup didn't look anything like my mom's potato soup. There was a difference there, all right? There was a difference there. Now, I, I knew enough not to say, does it look like my mom's potato soup, all right? I don't know if we'd have made 20 years, all right? I don't know if we'd have made it that far. Watch. It was different, but it wasn't worth a division. I wasn't about to say, well, your potato soup doesn't look nothing like my mama's. I'm sure she probably would have said, well, your mama lives right across the street. Go see if she'll make you some. There was definitely a difference there. Guys, write that down. Don't ever say that, okay? It doesn't look like mama's, all right? Or we'll be doing post-marriage counseling, okay? Not just pre-marriage counseling. There are going to be differences. But we have to learn how to allow our differences not to develop into what? To divisions. I can't help but think about the 12 apostles. My goodness, you had a tax collector in there, you had fishermen in there, uh, you had a hothead in Peter in there, you had a doubter in Thomas in there, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ put that specific group of people together. Look, they had their differences, but he used them to turn the known world upside down. Why? Because their differences did not have to become a division that sidelined them from the will of God. Now hear me out this morning, folks. This is what Paul is saying. He says, your differences has caused this division. Now, watch this. The word division is two words put together. It means divided vision. That's what division means. 
all right? It means to where you had a singular focus, and then you got your eyes off the singular focus, and now there's a divided vision. Now, here's this church. Rather than have their focus on Christ where it needed to be, now their focus had got on man. Oh, can I tell you, that's the quickest way to cause division. Paul says this, watch this. This I say that everyone saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. You see, their eyes are now off of Christ. Their eyes are off of Christ. I will tell you what will cause division in a church quicker than anything. It's when we get our eyes off of Christ. That's where division comes from. Our eyes suddenly get diverted to something else, someone else. And now our division, our vision is not where it should be. I read a story this past week about Jack Dempsey and about a boxing match that was held in Yankee Stadium on June 8th in 1933. American Max Bayer was boxing Max Scheinling from Germany. And boy, back then people were so patriotic, you know, so you have this us versus them mentality and uh, Max Bayer is in the ring, and the German hits him so hard, knocks him to the mat, he cannot see straight anymore. He gets up and goes to his corner where Jack Dempsey's at, and Jack Dempsey says, how are you? He says, there's too many of them. He says, there's only one. He says, no, I see three. Movies borrowed this from this particular account in 1933. He says, I see three of them. Jack Dempsey gave him the greatest advice. He says, swing at the one in the middle. And I think he did go on to win the fight. Do you know what will happen after a while? When you have a divided vision, you'll find yourself fighting the wrong battles. When you have a divided vision, you'll find yourself fighting the wrong battles. Here's Paul talking to who? Verse 2, the church of God, which is at Corinth. He says, you've gotten your eyes off of Christ, and that has caused division. And rather than go and fight the real enemy outside, we're fighting ourselves on the inside. Differences lead to division. And then we end up fighting the wrong things. Now, I want you to think about this church. Every moment, they were divided by their differences. They were missing an opportunity to be united in their cause. Well, listen, one of the greatest things that division can do to your home, one of the greatest things that division will do to your friendships, one of the greatest things that division will do to a church is it gets your mind off of the focus of what you should be doing. It's a distraction. The devil uses distract division in churches and in homes to distract from the will of God and what could be. You say, well, we're not worshiping Satan. Can I tell you, Satan doesn't matter. He doesn't care if you're bowing down and worshiping an image. He doesn't matter. Listen, if you're just at home in the recliner, as long as you're distracted, he wins. He wins. So what do we have to do? Well, we have to understand the differences in division. They don't have to divide us even though there's a difference. Now, watch what's about to happen. What do we do when there's a difference? Well, I want to show you what Paul did. If you look down to verse number 13... Paul says this, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? So now Paul is responding to the differences they had. Now, here's what's amazing. He didn't say these aren't real differences, all right? He's not pretending like they're not humanity and problems with humanity. He's not acting that way. But here's what he's saying. He says the differences you have are not worth it. That's what he says. 
He says, did I die for you? Listen, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Here's what he's doing. Number two, watch this. He's dismissing their division. He says, what you are divided over is not worth being divided over. That's what he's saying. He says, did Paul die for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says, none of this that you're divided about is worth it whatsoever. He is dismissing their division. Now, folks, look, there are some things, we'll talk about it in a minute, worth being divided over. But if we truly understood the devastating effects of division, we would dismiss it in a heartbeat. We'd dismiss it. Have you ever got in a, in a disagreement with your spouse? I'm not going to ask you to, to nod your head because everybody who's married has. And you get in an argument with your wife about something really dumb. Amen. Brother Richard and me are right there in the same boat. Man, I forget what it was, you know. It's something awful small. But your reaction to it is worse than the, worse than the issue was ever to begin with. And after a while, she's got you in the headlock. Bending around your pinky toe. You're trying not to cry because the kids are watching. They're sitting there eating popcorn. This is great. And you're thinking to yourself, I should have just dismissed that. I should have dismissed that. I should have said, this, this is what he's saying in verse 13. This is not worth what it's costing us. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He says you should have dismissed that. That was not worth what it's costing the church. I've told the story years ago, dad took us on a mission trip, we're teenagers, went up to the mountains of Kentucky, and man, there are some different people up there, there are some real different people up there. They have a blank stare that can burn a hole through you. And I remember we're up there in Pikeville, Kentucky, and it's around the home of the Hatfields and McCoys feud. And boy, I, I loved getting to, ner- uh, to learn a lot about that, and I went into the Hatfield and McCoys barber shop. Kind of made me nervous because they used a straight razor, you know. He's kind of saying. And so I I did some research while we were there. We went to some of the landmarks while we were there and and looked at the Hatfields and McCoys feud. And let me give you some statistics about that feud. Over 12 people were killed. 16 in prison on both sides of the family. One family member was hanged, executed for his part in the feud of the Hatfields and McCoys. And as many of you know, There are several different contributing factors to the Hatfields and McCoys feud, but the most famous is a pig. Is a pig. That they had a notch in one of the pig's ears, and they said that was a Hatfield notch, and uh, and the McCoys said, no, that was there, and the pig swam the creek and went over their side, and they said, no, that's our pig. And 12 people were killed, 16 in prison, one hanged, a lot of blood spilled over a hog, over a hog. Do you know, I think at the end of the day, the Hatfields and McCoys probably thought to themselves, it wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. Proverbs chapter 19, I want to encourage you this morning with scripture. Verse 11, the Bible says, the discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. That means there's going to be differences in your home. There's going to be differences between you and your friends and your parents. There's going to be differences in our church. 
But the Bible says it is a glory to pass over a transgression. What does that mean? That means the word of God is admonishing us. Listen, pass over the pig. It's not worth the feud. It's not worth the heartache. It's not worth the grief. The 12 lives, the 16 in prison, the one that was hung, it's not worth it. Why don't you pass over the pig? Oh, I can be so petty. Oh, I can be so petty. I was out knocking doors years ago in Covington County and knocked on this door and there were steps up to the single wide trailer. The man that answered the door, I'm not kidding, six foot four, probably 220. I think he had milk jugs hid underneath the sleeves of his shirt. And he's up, up on a, and I'm looking up at him and I'm thinking, oh my soul, I hope you're a friendly. I said, how you doing, sir? And he has a, a Coca-Cola in his hands. He goes, doing fine, how about you? I'm like, well, as long as you're fine, I'm fine. You know, I said, hey, I, I'm, I'm just out knocking doors, telling folks about the Lord. I want to stop by and see if, if, uh, if you trusted Christ. He just said, I can't remember what I told him. And he says, I don't live here. Like it didn't matter, you know. Like, hey, I don't live here, so you must be looking for somebody else. In a minute, a guy comes to the door, the guy who lived there, and I says, wow. I says, your friend is, is quite the man, very much of a man. He goes, he's a running back for the University of Arkansas. And uh, I didn't tell him I was an LSU fan. I'm smarter than that. And I says, man, he's huge. So the guy that's, that's talking to me now, not the big guy, but the other guy, he says, you wouldn't believe this. He says, but that guy used to be little scrawny about your size. Now this guy I could take. I could take him. It was amazing how petty the feelings were that got stirred in my heart. Just petty. I'm like, well, forget you. I'm going to go tell your neighbor about Jesus. You called me scrawny. I mean, I was like, did you realize what you just said? He used to be little and scrawny, just like you. Folks, can I tell you something this morning? Be careful letting little differences create great divisions. Because in the end, you know the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. The old devil is, is outside of the church and he's outside of our country and he's pulling the, the Marriott strings on division. And we don't realize oftentimes we play right into his hands. Why? Because we let differences become divisions. What did Paul say? Paul dismissed it. Watch what he says. Is Christ divided? He says, this is not even worth addressing. Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He's dismissing the division. Proverbs 17, 9, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. We cover a transgression. Man, that guy hurt my feelings. He really did. I mean, you know, I don't lift weights, but I'm not scrawny as far as I know. I'm a little meatier now than I was then. The Bible says... He that covereth the transgression seeketh love. Man, look, if we get to the place where we love each other, like we're supposed to love each other, you'd be amazed at the things you didn't see. You'd be amazed at the things that didn't bother you. You'd be amazed at the things you could pass over if we love people the way we're supposed to love people. Can I tell you, if we love our church the way we're supposed to love our church, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. You know what we ought to love? 
We ought to love what could come from unity at Central Baptist Church. That's what we ought to love. We ought to love what God could do with this place if we all decided this morning that there's something we should be focusing our attention on. And it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his will that he left us here to do. And he's coming back one day. And when he comes back, let him find us working, focusing on what he called us to do. How do we do that? we got to dismiss the things that cause division in our life. That church in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, that's the model. Boy, that's the model. The Bible says they continued together in one accord, and they had one mind. What happened? Here was a group of people. You better believe they had differences. You better believe they had differences. You go back and you read of the day of Pentecost, there was people from all over. I'll bet you there's a few LSU and Alabama fans in there somewhere. No, not really. I learned yesterday, I hate to tell you this, uh, but Lenny, I found out he's an Arkansas fan. And I just, I don't know, I just had to park my car yesterday and pull over and weep for a few minutes because I love Brother Lenny. Man, I'm thinking, gosh, you know, LSU, Arkansas, we have a trophy we play for, it's the boot, you know, and thank the Lord we won it this year, but, you know, I'm like, good night. You know what, LSU and Arkansas ain't worth what Lenny Thompson means to me. It ain't worth it. I mean, I'm going to try to convert him. I am. I mean, why would you want to have a mascot that's a pig? I mean, come on. A tiger can eat a pig, you know. Get a, get a man's mascot, you know. Something that, that can't be eaten by another mascot. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. Paul says you've got differences, and those differences have become divisions. Why? Because you weren't willing to just dismiss some things. Paul says it's not worth it. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you or were you baptized in the name of Paul? He didn't say they didn't have differences. Well, what he said was they weren't worth what it was costing the church at Corinth. Let some things go. Let some things go. I want to show you something. Turn with me back to the Old Testament real quick. 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Uh, I want to show you something. That David, boy, my goodness gracious that David leaves us a beautiful example for. 1 Samuel 24, uh, I want you to look down real quickly. You know Saul's been pursuing David, trying to kill him. 1 Samuel 24, David comes up and finds Saul. He's sleeping in the cave. David refuses to go against Saul. He's not going to do it. While Saul's asleep, he goes in and he cuts off part of his garment to show that he could have killed him, but he didn't. After they got up and they began to leave, I want you to look down about to verse, verse number 9. Watch what David says. He called out to Saul, and David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Notice a question mark. Here's Saul, he's trying to kill David. He's trying to hunt him down. And David had the opportunity to kill Saul right then and there. And he didn't do it. And David calls out to Saul, and he asks him this question in verse number 9. Why, he, wherefore, hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt. Here's what he says. Saul, why are you listening to people that are telling you I'm trying to kill you? Because, Saul, I could have killed you right then, but I passed over it. Paul, I, uh, Saul, I, I didn't go in there. Saul, I could have left you dead in your sleep. What did he say? I passed over it. You see, he dismissed the division. Number one this morning, Paul shows the church at Corinth the differences in division. 
Don't let your dear, hey, husband and wife, can I tell you something? We have a rule in our pre-marriage counseling. In our pre-marriage counseling, tell our young people, our young couples are getting married. So listen, we have a rule, get over all you can. Get over all you can. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you're going to find out after you get married that your perfect 10 spouse is not perfect 10 all the time. And you're going to find out there's some differences you have and you wish those differences were different. But I'll tell you, the difference is not worth the division. Pass over it. The dismissing of division. Paul says, look, Paul says, what are you doing? This is not worth what it's, what it's costing the church. But wait a minute. I'm sure you have a question this morning. What do we do when we get to a place where something's too important to pass over? And yes, indeed, there are times there are things too important to pass over. You do what Paul is doing. Watch what he says. Verse number 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you. Notice Paul is warning them, division will devastate the church. And then he says in verse 11, for it hath been declared unto me of my brethren by them which are the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Do you know what happened when Paul began to realize there were divisions in the church at Corinth? Do you know what he did? He did what we ought to do when it's something we can't get over. Number three, I want you to notice the discussion in division. There was division in the church, and Paul says, all right, let's address it, let's speak to it. Paul's taking the conversation directly to the conflict. Can I tell you what will help you in your marriage this morning when there is difficulty and division? Can I tell you what will help? Talking about it. Talk about it. Paul says, I, I hear from the house of Chloe, there's divisions among you. And Paul says, all right, if it's something you can't get over, they need to talk about. Our rule in pre-marriage counseling is get over or speak up. All right, if you can't get over it, speak up about it. Meaning if you can't get it off your heart, and if it's just bothering you, hey, it may have been meatloaf, no matter what it is in your marriage. If it's bothering you that much, then speak up about it. What happens is we don't follow the biblical outline for discussion. We don't. Let's just have the Bible this morning. What does the Bible say? Matthew 18, 15. Let me read it for you. I encourage you to jot that one down. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Did you hear it? All right? I'm not writing this. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul says we get to a place where there is a difference that has become a division. Don't allow that division to take the next step to destruction. Hey, pull over and have a discussion. Pull over and talk about it. Say, hey, look, there have been several of you in here. I've come to you, you come to me, we have talked. Uh, I mean, look, hey, I'll look out sometimes and I'll see folks, you'll have your eyebrow raised and, raised and you'll be looking at me and I'm thinking, yep, I have insulted them, uh, which is very possible uh, on my part. And I'll come up to you after the service and I'll say, hey, I'm just making sure we're okay. And you'll say, yeah, I just had heartburn. I'm like, all right, well, I wasn't sure, all right. But I didn't want it to become something else. Every once in a while, I'll find out I have offended folks. I'm human. Listen, your pastor is the most human person in this room. And so many times in my life, I have to pull over, have the discussion. Why? Because I have allowed division to come in my heart. All right? Let's be honest this morning. If we want to get to the place where our church is unified in the will and the word of God, we've got to be willing to follow the template of Scripture. And the Bible says when we have differences that become divisions, you and I have a discussion. That's what it says. 
what it says. He said, well, I don't want to have the discussion. Oh, then pass it over. But if you can't get over it, you got to speak up. Why? Because the unity of the church and the power of God and its usefulness and the will of God is worth it this morning. That's why we as the people of God, listen, I mean, I mean every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll have to go to my daughter and say, all right, look, you fell asleep in church. No, not really, but you offended me. Folks, we're human. We're human. I hate how human I am. Wickedness in my mind, in my heart at times, wanting my pound of flesh. Even jeopardizing the will of God. Paul says it's not worth it. He says as soon as he found out, what do he do? He says, I heard from the house of Chloe. He says, we need to talk about this. Here's our problem. I'm going to hurry, all right? We're going to finish on a high note. Our problem is we have the wrong discussion. That's our problem. I have a problem with you, you have a problem with me, and rather me tell you and you tell me, we tell someone else. This, this will decimate a church. I tell couples in marriage counseling, you know, she burned the meatloaf and it ticked him off. The first thing he wants to do is go to work and tell his buddies how bad the meatloaf was. And the worst thing he can do is call his mama. You'll never believe what this woman did. She burnt the meatloaf. Boy, I tell you, the devil gets a, a lot, a lot of use. The Bible says, how great a, a matter a little fire kindleth. Let me give you another scripture. Proverbs 16, 28. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separate his chief friends. Notice that word separating. That's division. Division. Folks, the church is worth the unity and the price of unity. That we realize that biblically we've got to have discussions so we don't get to the place of division. Proverbs chapter 6, the Bible says that sowing discord among the brethren, that means when, you know, say I have a problem, Brother Edwards, you know, I don't like his tie this morning. It's not very colorful, Brother Edwards, you know, at least put on some Christmas tie or something. I go up to Sam over here and I said, did you see the ugly tie Brother Edwards was wearing? Did you see that? You know what I just did? I just sowed discord between them two. You see, when you don't have a biblical discussion with the one, the Bible says tell it to him alone. When you don't have the discussion with him alone and you have an outside discussion, you've now created discord between someone else. You know what discord is? Discord is when you had accord and now the accord has come apart. That is discord. I don't know if you realize this, but if you cut your finger off, it doesn't function very well. It's got to be connected. A church has got to be connected. A church has got to be connected. We have differences, but our differences can't become divisions. When our differences become divisions, you know what you do? Decide, can I dismiss it and say, this is not worth it? Can I pass over it as Scripture says? Can I? You say, yes, I can pass over it. Wonderful. If you can't pass over it, the Bible says, have the discussion with the one who's offended you. That's the word of God. Uh, listen, don't go over to Isaiah and say, Isaiah, did you see the ugly tie Brother Edwards was wearing this morning? Didn't he wear a Christmas tie? Next thing you know, now there's division, 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 division. The church is divided. The church will no longer fulfill the will of God. Number three, the discussion of division. It's very simple. 
Proverbs 19.27, the Bible says, Cease, my son, to hear the instruction that causeth to err from the words of knowledge. Can I tell you, if someone comes and tries to sow discord in you, the Bible says, Cease, my son, to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That's why I got off social media. Because I heard too much. I heard too much. I don't want to hear it. Look, I, I don't want you to know all of my dirty laundry. I don't want to know all of your dirty laundry. We're all just sinners saved by grace, trying to make it in the will of God until the trump of God sounds. I don't need to hear it. The problem is we do hear it. And just like the church at Corinth, here's what happens. Now we have a, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. What should we have done? We should have had a discussion on division. Philippians 2, Paul told another church, fulfill ye my joy. That you be like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord of one mind. How do we do that? I'm going to end it with this this morning. How do we do that? Paul had an answer for them, for their division. Watch closely, okay? Paul had an answer for them. He says in verse 13, is Christ divided? So how do we keep our differences from becoming divisions? Well, watch, we dismiss what we can. Pass over what we can. And then what we can't, we have a discussion about. You say, well, what happens if we have a discussion and we still don't agree? Well, that's why, number four, we go to the doctrine for division. The doctrine for division. There must be a final authority for what we turn to this morning in order to resolve our divisions. What was the final authority he gave them here? Well, he gave them not just doctrine, he gave them Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, is Christ divided? So watch, you had this group, they were focused on this group, and this group focused here, and this group focused here, and this group focused here. They're divided as a church. And Paul comes in with heavy-hitting doctrine, the final authority. He says the answer to all of this is if all of you direct your attention back to Christ. There's no greater unifier in the church than for God's people to simply get their eyes back on Jesus. And you'd be amazed this morning at all the things that would change and all the things that would grow strangely dim and wouldn't bother you anymore. Why? Because I've got to keep my eyes on Christ. And when that's our goal, suddenly the member that annoys you to no end doesn't bother you as much anymore. Because to pay attention to the hurt they're causing you is going to cost you to take your eyes off of Christ, and you can't do it. Suddenly, the, the, the young person in the youth group that falls asleep on the front row and gets on your nerves, man, you got division. Look, teenagers, you guys can be just as vicious as anybody. You can. Cutting each other down. Well, I don't like the way they do this. I don't like the way they do that. Can I tell you something? You get your eyes back on Christ, and suddenly the church has unity again. Suddenly the church is singular in our mission and our focus, and the Spirit of God is moving again. But it requires us doing what? He says, is Christ divided? Get our eyes back on him, Jesus. This morning, we just need to get back to some good old-fashioned doctrine. I told my Sunday school class this morning, the Bible uses the word sensual. Brother Richard and I were talking about this in my office today. The word sensual, we think sexual a lot, but it really means so much more than that. The word sensual means in touch with our feelings. Do you know what so many, here's what's sad. The church in America today is so divided, and we're not even divided over doctrine. Not. 
We're not divided over the King James Bible. We're not divided uh, on baptismal regeneration. Hey, we're not, we're not divided over any of that stuff. We, we're divided over our feelings. And the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back, and rather than wage the good war, we're picking a very shallow fight. Folks, we got to get to the place this morning where we get back to just good old-fashioned doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. Is Christ divided? He says you got to redirect your attention. This morning, can I tell you the problem your family is facing or will face, your teenagers are going to face, our church is facing, our nation is facing? It's an old-fashioned foe called division. Number one, we shouldn't be surprised, but we are. We shouldn't be surprised, but we are. I think we thought this thing of spiritual warfare was just a term. No, can I tell you this is a fight. By the way, can I just tell you something by way of encouragement? If the devil's going to fight for this church, I think we ought to too. If this church means so much to the devil that he's willing to fight for it, I think you and I ought to fight for it as well. Listen, what has this church meant to you? This church is in the hub city. This city needs this church, but this city needs a church that's united and families that are united, young people that are united. How do we be united? We get our eyes back on Jesus. We just keep our eyes on Christ. We get back to where that's all that matters. Something does pop up, we're going to talk about it. Why? Because we're not going to risk God working in what he desires to do here at our church. This morning, we've got to defeat division. Yesterday. 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 It's past time. We've been distracted for too long. The will of God sits idle. Differences, absolutely. They don't have to be dividing. You say, what do I do? Here's what you ought to decide this morning. Can I ask you something? If, if there's something in your heart towards someone, whether in your own family, in this church, outside these walls, ask yourself, can I dismiss it? Can I pass over it? They may have genuinely hurt you or you may have genuinely hurt them, whatever. Can you pass over it? Can you pass over it? You say, well, I don't know that I can pass over it, okay? Understandably, there are times where you can't. Can I ask you this? Are you willing to have the discussion? Don't quit on your church without having a discussion. Don't quit on the will of God without having a discussion. We view where God would have us worship so flippantly. I mean, there is the will of God where God would have you to serve. And it shouldn't be so flippant that you're not willing to have the discussion. Hey, we're going to talk about it. Why? This place is important, not just to your family, but to this city. We're going to have the discussion. And at the very end, watch this. I'm going to yield to doctrine. I'm going to yield to doctrine. You know, aren't you glad the Bible says we have a more sure word of prophecy? We got a sure word. Mine's not. Mine's not. Mine is just an opinion that's good 50-50 amount of the time. But hey, we have a more sure word. We have a standard in Jesus Christ. And if we get our eyes back on Him, can I tell you something? You'd be amazed at all that would fall into place. But this morning we've got to get past division. Differences, dismiss what you can. Discuss what you can't. And let the doctrine settle the rest. This morning, listen to me, mom and dad, your marriage, it's time for you to move forward. 
time for you to move forward. You got to get rid of that division in your home. Young person, if there's division between you and your, your parents, your grandparents, whatever it is, if there's division, it's holding you up from doing the will of God. Get rid of it this morning. Dismiss it or discuss it. But take care of it this morning. Listen to me, Central Baptist Church. I know we have visitors here today. Listen to me, Central Baptist Church. This place is too important to allow the devil to do what he's doing all over this world. Bring division in to distract us from the will of God. Dismiss it or discuss it. But we've got to move forward. It's time each and every one of us decided we're putting our eyes back on Christ and we're going to be found working when he comes. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen to me this morning, please. The church of the living God is too important to allow the old tactic of division to distract us. This morning, listen, if there's something between you and someone, let's make sure we resolve that today before differences become division. Oh, that the Spirit of God would move in this place and our hearts would be right. You're not right vertically with God if we're not right horizontally with man. Let's make sure those differences don't become division today. Father God, I thank you. Lord, for what you tell us. And Lord, it's hard sometimes to do what you tell us. Father, I'm thankful this morning that you give us a road map for how we, Lord, just as this church at Corinth, Lord, we're no different. Why we think we're going to avoid things that, Father, you told us we're going to go through, I don't understand. But, Father, we're going to face it. We've got to be out in front of this. Lord, help us today. Help us. Father, I pray you'd help us to see, Lord, things that maybe we can just dismiss and pass over. Because, Father, we have a, a job to do here. We are a hub city just like Corinth. And, Lord, there's people who need us to be a church that's united. They need these marriages to be united, these young people to be united with their mom and dad, that there's no discord, Father. Help us have no discord, Father, that would quench the Spirit of God from working in this place this morning. I pray that, Father, we're looking forward that today would be a day, Father, where we look forward to having our eyes on Christ, not distracted, Lord, anymore, and being about your business at this wonderful place you've called us to. Bless, Lord, I pray this invitation time. Lord, whatever needs to happen, I pray that it would, and I pray that, Father, you would be glorified today in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed for a few minutes. Listen to me this morning, husband, wife, mom, dad, young person. I beg you this morning, I beg you, I beg you, I beg you. For the sake of the church of the living God, Central Baptist Church, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. We resolve this morning. My differences aren't going to become divisions. No, 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 no. I'm going to dismiss what I can. I'm going to discuss what I need to. And I'm going to let the Word of God, the very doctrine, make that decision. I believe our homes could have so much more power of God on them if mom and dad just didn't have the divisions. Dad, why don't you pass over some things? Mom, pass over some things. Young person, quit being so critical of your mom and dad. Pass over some things. They're not perfect. Turn your eyes upon Jesus.
I beg you this morning, let the Holy Spirit just do what he wants. Give him the freedom this morning, the liberty this morning. Listen to the song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. What causes divisions? We get our eyes off of Him. We start looking at others. That's where the division comes from. It's amazing. If you just let Christ distract you this morning, so many things would not cause a division. They do. And the things of earth will grow I believe wholeheartedly 